0: For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul said, I know whom I have believed. I was reading a devotional that came out today from the late Dr. Henry Morris. He was a scientist and also a creationist, a Christian. He wrote a lot of devotionals, as just in his Bible study, he was not a preacher. But in his writing, he wrote several things that turned into devotionals, and he wrote this one and it happened to come out today. Whom do you know? A person who thinks he is a Christian or hopes he is a Christian probably isn't a Christian. That's what he said. <clears throat> one should know when it comes to this most important of all questions. And so 1 John five thirteen says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that you have eternal life. <clears throat> and so uh, I think it was Bob, But someone years ago said that coming out of Catholicism, that was the one thing that was a concern was that you just never knew if you were saved or not. There was never a blessed assurance. And uh, when I think of that, when I think of a religion that never really tells you that you are saved, but you need to keep going. It reminds me of a chiropractor that I had that would go crack, crack and then say, come back next week and we'll do another crack, crack. And then it's like, why can't we just fix it all this time around? And sometimes they can't. But at the same time, you just wonder if you're getting strung along. Well, I think in a lot of religions, that's what happens. If you've got to keep going in order to go to heaven, that's good for business. And uh, that keeps people in fear. And I do think in, in days gone by that has happened. But salvation is not up to a church Salvation's not up to our doing it's not up to our work salvation is in a person and that's the lord jesus christ and these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life now it isn't what we know it's who we know it doesn't matter if you know a lot of bible and there are people who know a lot of bible and bible stories but that doesn't mean you know him you can know about him without knowing him right and so uh, i know whom i have believed paul said and I'm persuaded that he is able. I know him. Uh, as we, I said the other night, you ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. And so knowing him, first of all, do, whom do you know? Do you know him? Do you know him? Uh, 1 John 5 verse 13. How can we know that we have eternal life? Well, we, we, I just quoted it to you. These things have I written, 1 John five thirteen, unto you that, you, that believe on the name of the Son of God. <clears throat> That you may know that you have eternal life. And then it goes on to say, and that you may believe. Why does it say that? Because how many of here, from the moment you started believing, had all the belief there was? Me neither. We initially believed on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. And then we started exercising and getting our faith exercised into more knowledge and more believing. And so I would say today that I believe him more than I ever believed him before. But I initially believed him for salvation. And that's all that was necessary but in believing him for salvation, there's certainly a lot of things we didn't realize came with that. So we know him, and we know that we can be saved. We know our salvation is for sure because of his word. His own word declares that. These things are what? These things are written. Thankful for the Bible, aren't you? Uh, we can't ever let go of that. That That is, I mean, where else do we find it? We, we can talk about a warm, fuzzy feeling and all that, but... These things are written that we may know. I've got documentation that I can know. And, and and that salvation is in a promise that's written down. I mentioned it Sunday that I love the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, but the people who wrote that are dead. And even though they meant every word of it, they can't keep it enforced. But whoever wrote this is still alive. He's still enforcer. And he's able to keep what he's committed. And uh, we can trust him for that. So uh, the word, furthermore... He knows us not only do I know him but it says in John chapter 10 Jesus said concerning the shepherd and the sheep in John chapter 10 in verse 27 concerning the good shepherd he said in verse 27 my sheep hear my voice that means they recognize him and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my father's hand so we know him and truly he knows us secondly I mentioned this Sunday night we are in him and he is in us back in 1st John chapter 4 sorry to bounce around a little bit here but 1st John chapter number 4 it says in verse 13 hereby know we keying on the word know tonight hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us Because he hath given us of his spirit. When we are saved and that comforter has come, he dwells in us. And as John 15 says, we dwell in him. We abide in him. He abides in us. We dwell in him. He dwells in us. Why? Because the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Romans chapter 8. And the spirit of God dwells within. And I know that I have him inside. And I dwell in him as well. And so the Holy Spirit has become a part of our lives from the moment of salvation. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. It's just as simple as that. Salvation brings the Holy Spirit. Salvation opens the door for the Holy Spirit to come live within you and in your body, which is the, to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and when you have him dwelling within you, you love the word. You desire the word of God. You are, you are gaining wisdom, and that wisdom and knowledge and that confirmation in your heart is gained just because of what it says. Look at First John chapter two. A lot of this is First John. First John chapter two, verse three. Let me just read this with you here. First John two, verse three. And hereby we do know. Again, the word know. Hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Now, it is not saying that we have to be perfect. But when we sin, and we will as human beings, even if we're saved, we still go back to the word and say, but here's what it says, and I have to keep his commandments. Whoso keepeth his commandments, whoso keepeth his word. And so we know, that's another confirmation that we, are, that we know him because we also know his word. I mentioned it Sunday morning about people who are just the natural man. They don't understand his word. They get no delight out of his word. Listen, that's not because it was in old English. That's not because of... of God not making it exciting enough. It's because you're in the natural state versus a spiritual state. If you're in a spiritual state, you just desire, you have a desire to understand. You might not understand everything in the Bible, but you want to. And when you hear it taught and preached, you're gravitating towards it because you want to know his word and you desire to keep his commandments. That's just another one of the knowing. There's a lot of knowing. We'll talk about some more of those in a minute, but probably one of the greatest knowings that you can find after you're saved. One of the greatest knowings of just knowing you're a believer is romans chapter 8 where it says and we know that all things work together for good to them that love god to them who are all the called according to his purpose that's one of the greatest knowing just just knowing that all things work together for good that all the bad that happens and probably i'm not the only one in the room tonight that had something bad happen recently but if you have ever had something bad happen and you're a christian not only do you know that you're saved and know that he loves you and know that you're one of his sheep and he's the shepherd and know all these other things we talked about, but you also know that all things work together for good. Not most of the things, but all the things work together for good. A couple more things tonight concerning this confidence in knowing. I love the fact that we can't have confidence. I, I'm not impressed with a religion of any kind provides no confidence or or maybe provides a self confidence instead of a confidence in God but we have a confidence we have a confidence that is not human it's godly Psalm 20 is a passage that we sing almost every Sunday morning somebody picks Psalm 20 to sing in Sunday school and so Psalm 20 we're going to actually look at these words instead of just sing them but Psalm chapter 20 we'll start in verse 5. We will rejoice in thy salvation. In the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord, fulfill all thy petitions. Again, salvation. We're talking about salvation. And the confidence and rejoice. We can rejoice in our salvation. If you're not saved, you don't have anything to rejoice about. Let's say you did have the worst day of your life. Let's say that you do have a loved one in the hospital right now. Let's say that you do have a flat tire. You do have a horrible a horrible week this week. If things going wrong, everything falling apart. If you're saved tonight, you can still rejoice. I appreciate what Larry's wife said a few minutes ago. I'm glad he is where he is because he needs to be there. But there is one other place that would be better than there. And that would be heaven. And... And I'm thankful that you said that because, you know what? It just means that she knows there's still better yet to come. There's hospitals and there's problems, but there's still something better yet to come. You know, for some people, the best they've ever got is now or yesterday. People that aren't saved, their best is behind them. But if you're saved, you have something to rejoice about, even if everything else right now isn't very happy and also in verse 5 it says and we rejoice in thy salvation but we also rejoice in the name of our god we will set up our banners the lord fulfill all thy petitions it's been a while since we've talked about the names of god but there's some awesome names of god in isaiah 9 6 it says his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty god the everlasting father the prince of peace and in Psalm 9, in verse 10, it says, They that know thy name will put their trust in thee. The people who know the names of God can can then put their trust in it. In other words, the names of God reveal the attributes of God. For instance, we don't need to turn there, but I'll just, well, let's turn there just so we can see it. Isaiah chapter 12. Isaiah chapter 12. I was going to just sing it, but... Isaiah chapter 12, we sing this verse a lot, verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation, and I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song, and he has also has become my salvation. Jehovah is one of the names of God. And As a matter of fact, the word Lord, L-O-R-D, all capitalized, whenever L-O-R-D is all capitalized, it means Jehovah. So literally if you were reading this in Hebrew, it would say, for the Jehovah Jehovah is my strength and my song. And so that's why they put it in Lord in English and then put it in Jehovah next to it. It's his name in Hebrew. It's it's the name of God and it it refers to he is who he is or as it says in Exodus chapter 3, I am that I am. That's who he is. He's God. He's Jehovah Lord. Then Genesis chapter 22 when God told Abraham to offer Isaac upon the altar this is all about the names of God we rejoice knowing the names of God just being reminded of who God is I uh, I don't get all excited about thinking about everybody else's name or who they are you probably don't get too excited about thinking about me very much because we, we're just human beings with limited attributes but God is unlimited and his names reveal who he is <coughs> in jo- in Genesis chapter 22 and verse number 8 it says and Abraham said my son God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering remember Isaac said <clears throat> we've got the wood we've got the fire but but dad you forgot the lamb and he said God will provide the word provide is like pro video provision in other words pro is before and vision in other words he could see ahead he could see ahead that there would be need for providing, so God will provide Himself. And then Genesis twenty-two verse fourteen it says, after the angel came down, and stopped Abraham from sacrificing Isaac, <clears throat> and Isaac breathed a sigh of relief, and so did Abraham. And they and then they caught the ram in the thicket and all offered him. It says in verse fourteen, it says, and Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh. That's another name of God, Jehovah Jireh, because Jehovah Jireh means. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen or God will provide himself a lamb. He provisions. He sees ahead. That's our God. That's the name of God. He sees ahead. You know, if you've had a bad time or you're going to have a bad time tomorrow, isn't it good to know that God already saw it on the calendar before you did, before you even knew it was coming? Exodus chapter 17 is another name of God. Exodus chapter 17 and verse... Number 11. Psalm 9 verse 10 says, They that know thy name shall put their trust in thee. The more we know the attributes of God, the more we understand the different names of God, it helps us to know God and to appreciate the parts of God we forgot about. Exodus 17 and verse 11. uh, Exodus 17 and verse 11. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Another neat story about how (coughs) that... As long as Moses' hands were held up and the rod of God was held up, they, there was prevailing. Then verse 15, And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah-Nissai. Another name of God, jehovah Nisai, For he said, Because the Lord hath sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. His provision, his battle, his, his, his defeat of the enemy, he will fight for us, jehovah Nisai, our protector. And then... <clears throat> You have this one probably memorized, Psalm 23. The Lord, Jehovah, L-O-R-D, those four letter capital letters, the Lord is my shepherd. That is the Lord Jehovah-Rohai. The Lord is my shepherd. Another name of God is Jehovah-Rohai. The Lord, my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Praise God for another attribute, that he is my shepherd. We talked about that earlier tonight, that he, we are his sheep, he is his shepherd. Another one of the names, they that know thy name. I'll just give you a couple more. I'm not even going to turn to these for the sake of time, but Judges 6, verses 23 and 24. Jehovah Shalom. You probably recognize that word. Jehovah Shalom, it means the Lord is my peace, the Lord is our peace. He a, has a peace that passes all understanding. A lot of people take drugs to get peace. <clears throat> But the Lord is our peace. And then Alpha and Omega in Revelation 1. He is the Alpha and Omega, and it defines it, the beginning and the end. Alpha is like our letter A. That's where we get the word alphabet from. Alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter in the Greek alphabet. And the Bible is just simply saying in Revelation 1, verse 8, he is the beginning and the ending. He's the author and finisher. He's Alpha and Omega. Omega. We could talk all night about him and his attributes, but back in Psalm 20, they that know thy name, and so we rejoice, we rejoice in the name of the Lord our God. We rejoice in his name. Now, also, Psalm chapter 20 and verse number 6. Psalm 20 and verse 6. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. I know that the Lord saves his own. And he will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. I know this because I'm saved and because I know who he is and I know what he's promised. Right there in Psalm 18 verse 50 it says, Great deliverance giveth he to his king and showeth mercy to his anointed, to David and to his seed forevermore. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed We are, if you're saved, you're one of his anointed. And we can recognize the faithfulness of God. He will hear us from his holy heaven. On Sunday morning in Sunday school, we're teaching out of this book here called Lord Teach Us to Pray. It's a good lesson, good study. It's brand new. It's never been out before until this month. He will hear us. If we're saved and we're right with him, he will hear us. When it says he will hear us, it doesn't mean he will answer it the way we want to answer it, but he will answer it. Sometimes he'll answer it with a no, but he will answer it. He will hear us. It isn't necessary that he does something that I think he should do. It's just comforting to know that he hears us, that he is listening. And, of course, it's more comforting when he does something about it and we see it happening, but just to know he's listening. The saving strength, the saving of his anointed with the saving strength of his right hand, uh, I can trust him and know that he's listening. Then verse seven, something else about knowing. We sing this, you know, you're very familiar with this verse. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. What does that mean? We sing it all the time. What does it mean? Some if you go back a couple thousand years, three or four thousand years to David's day, some trust in chariots, and at that time the chariot was one of the most powerful inventions that man had ever made. Horsepower, horses, chariots—you've seen it maybe in movies where they put those those blades on the hubs of the chariots, and they turn into a buzz saw. Some trust in chariots because that was the most wicked invention, scary. And summon horses. That's that's what other nations do. That's how they do battle: is with their chariots and their horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. With your finger there in Psalm 20, I'm just going to read you what Second Chronicles says. Hezekiah said to God in a prayer one time. Second Chronicles 32. Second Chronicles 32. Sennacherib king of Assyria came to and threatened Israel threatened Judah and said that I'm going to tear you down, I'm going to defeat you you're going to be all messed up and I'm going to destroy you and Hezekiah said to the people when he saw that Sennacherib had scared everyone and, they, and threatening everyone he says in verse 7 be strong and courageous, be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria nor for all the multitude that is with him for there be more with us than with him verse 8 With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us fight our battles. With him, he has a lot of muscle. With him, he's got chariots and horses, but with us, we have the Lord our God. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. If you were to go to the middle of the Bible, it's Psalm 118. The very center of the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation. If you were to pick the center. Here is the center of the Bible. You think the center might have something important to say? Psalm 118. Verse 8 and 9. That's the very center of God's word. And Psalm 118. Verse 8 and 9 says. It is better. To trust in the Lord. Than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes we all are guilty of putting confidence in men it doesn't mean we're wrong to have confidence in other men but it's not better than the Lord but what if they're a prince because princes have power still better to trust in the Lord some trust in chariots and some in horses but we will remember the name of the Lord our God some trust in political parties and politicians And there's some good ones out there, and there's some that aren't. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. It's better to trust in in God than to put confidence in man. So we see that verse. We recognize when we know. Now, only if you know God can you say that. If you don't know God, then it's better to trust in chariots and horses. If you don't know God, it's way better to trust in princes and politicians. Because if you don't know God, forget that. But if you know God, you know it's better not. <clears throat> it's better not to. Then verse 8, it says, They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. We see also his power. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Just just wait a little while if it looks like that the evil is winning. Just wait a little while longer if it, if it looks like that, that, that your God is not coming through. And that it's not worth it to be a Christian and to follow him. Listen, it is, and I have confidence in knowing that. Now I want to tell you, from day to day I forget it. From day to day I see everybody else driving around in their chariots, and I'm like, Man, sure it'd be nice to have one of those chariots. But it's not right. It's it comes and goes. I live in Custer, South Dakota. And you all know what I've said before, and I'll say it again. Here's what I noticed about Custer, South Dakota. Everybody wants to live here. And about the time they get to live here, they're retired age. That that means they're tired and retired. And they get to live here maybe 10, 20, 30 years. And the real estate business is fairly good around here because you can probably sell the same house more than once in your lifetime if you're a realtor. because because people don't live from age 20 to age 80 in Custer. It's usually when they get older and they want to move here. What I'm trying to say is, is that it doesn't matter how much you got and how mighty you are, you can't hang on to it. But if you're a saved person, you got more ahead than you got behind. And we might be close to heaven, but Custer's not heaven. And if you're saved, you're going to somewhere special, somewhere better. But when you're not saved, they are brought down and fallen. If I said the name of this actor, everybody in the room would know who I was talking about. But years ago, an actor was dying of cancer. And in their hospital bed, they were observed to be crying and wailing. Because of the pain and because they knew they were dying. I'm not saying that if I was dying, I wouldn't be crying if I was in pain, but I'll tell you this, I wouldn't be crying because of don't know where I'm going. His power helps us and reminds us we know him. We know him. Now, before we finish Psalm 20, it says, Save, Lord, let the king hear us when we call, verse 9. But I didn't read the first four verses, so let's go back and look at them real quick. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob, defend thee. The Lord, hear thee. What a promise we have in prayer. If we're right with him, we can pray. It says in Psalm 66, 18, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But if we're right with him, and we know him, and he knows us, and we're right with him, the Lord, hear thee in the day of trouble. I'm thankful that if I'll just get right with God and be right with God he can hear me in the day of trouble I know we all have these things in our pocket and they've got some really fancy technology that you can pretty much get signaled just about anywhere but there's times when you can't but no matter where you are if you're (laughs) if you're right with God there's a signal that's one promise there's seven of them in these four verses in prayer When you know him and he knows you, you know you're saved. You know you have his Holy Spirit dwelling within you. And you know that all things work together for good. You know his name. You know his power. You know his faithfulness. You know that he's better than man's invention. You know his power. And you know he can hear you. And the name of the God of Jacob, defend thee. The Lord, defend thee. You know, it's exciting when I find out I have a problem only to find out God already fixed it before I found out I had a problem. I don't know if you've ever had that before. Pastor, guess what? This happened. Oh, no. But guess what? This happened. Oh, I'm so dumb. I wouldn't even know how to fix my problem. And he fixed it before I even knew I had a problem. Those are the best kind of problems to have. The Lord defend thee. There's been times when people... Say things, and there, there's gossip and rumor that goes around, and you you want to defend your own name, and you want to def, defend whatever you can. But what a blessing when God is defending you. Verse two. It says, "The Lord help from the sanctuary; send thee help from the sanctuary, and strengthen thee out of Zion." The Lord help thee. I'm a Christian. I'm saved. And I still believe that God helps from the sanctuary. I still believe that his help is worth going to and praying for. Then also, at the end of verse 2, and strengthen thee out of Zion. Sometimes my knees are knocking and I'm scared to death and I'm afraid and I'm nervous and I'm weak. I'm mentally weak. I'm spiritually weak. I'm not right with the Lord. I'm not where I ought to be. And the Lord strengthens me. Num- verse number three remember all thy offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifice Selah I'm also thankful that God remembers I'm looking over at Dallas and Dallas God gave you two more weeks didn't he that's a blessing I believe that God is looking out for Dallas not just Dallas, but I believe he is. I believe that Dallas is following the Lord and God's looking out for him. And two nights from now, at Hope on Friday, we're gonna have cake and ice cream. And the cake's gonna say, celebrating ninety plus days, no alcohol. Isn't that awesome. That's a blessing. And Dallas, we're we're praying for you, we're excited. And I and I look down and I say, you know what? God knows. The other day somebody walked by and and they said, Dallas, this is so-and-so, and they got saved recently. And Dallas said, hey, are you, have you been baptized yet? Well, that did my heart good to know that he's thinking about what they need to do next. Praise the Lord for that. And, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, but Dallas is not a rich guy. But you know what he did the other day? He took out a teenager and took him out to eat. It says in verse 3, remember all thy offerings and accept thy... Listen, God sees when you do stuff like that. You you know, we put our tithes in the offering plate, you know, this silver thing down. We put our tithes and offering in the offering plate. And our tithes should go in the offering plate. That 10% that we give back to the Lord. But you know what? Offering, offering for missions goes in the offering plate. But you know what? There's also offering... That never goes to the mission into the into the offering plate. When you take a teenager out to eat, that's offering. That's extra. When you give or help in some way, that's offering too. And it's funny how the Lord remembers that when you forgot you did that, and God remembers that. And it's a promise that God remembers thy offerings and accept thy burnt offerings, Selah. The burnt sacrifice. Verse four. Last verse here. And the Lord grant thee according to thine own heart. Reminds me of that verse in Psalm 37. Delight thyself also in the Lord. And he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. When we delight in what God delights in. And we delight in him. He gives us the desires of our heart. Proverbs 11 and verse 23 says... The desire of the righteous is only good. The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. If you desire righteous things, it's just good for you and everybody around you. And God grants you the desires of your own heart because your heart's right with the Lord. And then at the end of verse four, it says, and fulfill all thy counsel. And fulfill. When I die, I was telling somebody the other day, when I die, I'm going to try to make it the last thing I ever did. But when I die, I really don't care how much I own or how much is in the bank or even how many people know my name. But I do want to die fulfilled. As if I did I was fulfilled. I, I did my 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 job. I I fulfilled God's will for my life. I I want to die knowing that that it was not empty, that it was not wasted. Years ago, a man who was dying and found out he was dying said to his wife, "He was not a Christian," and he said to her, "What was that all for?" isn't that a sad question at the end of your life what was that all for but when you know him you have a confidence that that it isn't a waste and so that brings me to my favorite verse in the bible concerning knowing Philippians chapter 1 this is this is like maybe my theme verse or one of my favorite verses being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ you talk about knowing and confidence when you know that God started it it doesn't matter what stumbling blocks come along the way if you know that you're in God's will right now and you know that this is what you're supposed to be doing then you can be confident when the disciples got put into the ship and the ship got floated out into the the sea of Galilee and all of a sudden the storm came and it was just terrible and they're scared and they think they're going to die what they forgot and if I'd have been there I'm sure I'd have forgot it too but what they forgot is he put them in the ship He told them to get in the ship and to go. And sometimes, in the middle of the chaos, I have to stop and say, Am I in the right boat? Is this the boat he told me to get in? Is this where I'm supposed to be? Because if it is, he's got a plan. He's got, a, he's got a plan in mind and he knows what he's doing. And so I can be confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a work. I believe that he began the Bible. I'm confident in the Bible. I believe that he began the world and so I'm confident in the world. I'm not worried about global warming because I know who made it the globe. And when he wants it to warm up, it's going to warm up whether you like it or not. And I don't need to worry about global warming because he's in charge of the globe. I'm not worried about a lot of things that he made. He made it. He'll finish it. And if he, if he told me to marry this person and I did what he said, then I can be confident in that too. If he told me to be at Custer, South Dakota and serve as a pastor in Custer, South Dakota, then I can be confident in what he's told me to do. Even if nobody else in here is confident that he told me to do that. I can still be confident that that's what he told me to do. Whatever he's given me to do, I can be confident. And even if nobody appreciates it, and it looks like I die a loser, I can still be confident that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know what day that is? That's the last day. I mean, that's the day he's returning. And I think about this man. I think his last name is Leslie. He was a missionary 100 years ago. And he struggled and struggled and he just worked with people and just gave his whole life to these people in Africa. And there was never any real results that it seemed. I mean, he had people. He had people get saved and he had people that were listening to him and following him. But he didn't have anything really big to show. And, you know, it's a real hard thing sometimes for missionaries to report back home and say, not much going on. And they say that Mr. Leslie finally did come home a broken man. Feeling like a failure. Not thinking that he'd really accomplished anything. But he wasn't. And I'm not picking on Mr. Leslie because if it had been me I'd probably been in the same boat. But what he didn't know until years later after he died. Some other missionaries came into that very part of the jungle and they went in. And they were shocked to discover there were people there who were Christians. Not just a few people, but a lot of people who were Christians. And they discovered in the middle of this jungle, this huge, huge hut, huge structure that they were using as a meeting house. They figured out that there was probably a thousand Christians in that area. And they started to investigate, how did you come to know the Lord? Well, it was, how did you, And, and and they started to trace it back and they found out it was Mr. Leslie. So Mr. Leslie died thinking he was a failure. And I think God said, come here for a minute and look over heaven's balcony and say, even when you weren't confident, what I begin, I'll finish. Isn't that a blessing to know that what God starts, he finishes. The reason why you can't lose your salvation is you didn't start it. He did. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I can be confident. I can know that my life, no matter what others might say, can and will be fulfilling if I'll just know him and trust him and follow him. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. And that's what we have to do. We have to recognize that we just got to know him. Raise your hand if you know him better than anybody else. Raise your hand if you know him as much as you should know him. We all know him, probably. But do you know him like you should know him? I don't. I'm just confessing it right now. But I know enough about him to know it's true. And it's worth knowing more. That I may know him, Paul said, in the power of his resurrection. and the fellowship of his suffering. I just need to know him more. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for our opportunity to know you. And we ask forgiveness for for the ignorance. And the lack of faith and the disobedience. Help us to recognize that you've given us access to someone, yourself, that the world doesn't have access to. We have an open line available that the world doesn't have. Help us to know you in our salvation. If there's someone here that didn't know you as Savior, that they know you that way. Help us not to just know you as Savior, but to know you as the one that's the author and finisher, the Alpha and Omega. You don't just start things, you finish them. You started something in me, you started something in the lives of others in this room, and you're the author and finisher. Help us to be confident that what you've begun, you'll finish. Help us to demonstrate to others that we know you, Help us to never think we know you enough, but to rather know you more. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.